let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. This is Emily, and I'm here as always with Andrew, my husband. Hi, people. Today is all about Andrew. <laughs> yep, it's so all about me. We're going to be talking... My dream come true. <laughs> episode about my life and my feelings which i love to talk about yeah well i'm going to be talking to andrew about his foot and it sounds really silly <laughs> my foot <laughs> we're just gonna leave it right there that's the end of the episode guys okay, sorry yeah, okay um no it sounds really silly saying it like that but andrew has a partial amputation on his foot and per, i think it's partial it's amputation of of your foot of his foot right because it's not like a stamp right <laughs> like on it it's not like an, it's like on it right it's like the, there is an absence of something so you can't have an absence of something on something <laughs> okay well we're gonna be talking about it because i think it's really awesome actually um and i think that he has a lot to share about it and it's such a unique and strange thing that i'm sure a lot of our listeners would be very interested to hear about it cool and of course how you've become closer to heavenly father and jesus christ through it so well, I think it's interesting that you want to talk about it so much because for me, I don't like bringing it up. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll talk about why later, but I don't like it being like a big focus. Right. If and that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be a big focus because it doesn't have to define you, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. But but I like bringing it up because I'm like, dudes, like my, that's really loud. <laughs> Like, guys, my husband has half a foot. Like, that's the coolest thing. (laughs) I think it's really cool. Um, Okay, so let's just start. Why don't you tell us the story of what happened and how you recovered? Okay. So I was five, about to turn six, I believe. I was going into first grade. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was five, about to turn six. Um, And... I was playing with my brother, and I don't remember all the details. And your brain does this funny thing when you have traumatic experiences. Your brain will, like, change some details around or, like, gloss over some things mm-hmm. to kind of protect itself from, mm-hmm. like, the traumatic experience, especially as, as a kid. And you were five. So and I was five, It's pretty right? early. Um, and so there are a lot of things that kind of mess with my, my memory. And so having told the story... Uh, several times and like comparing it to what my dad has told me i know that i'm remembering it inaccurately in some areas like my mind messed with stuff and some of the things that i remember vividly were obviously like hallucinations not hallucinations but like were obviously kind of altered by my by my subconscious mm-hmm. um that's so, interesting so we were playing um in between our house and our neighbor's house and like there's not a big gap between the houses and our neighbor was cutting his lawn on a riding lawnmower and turned the corner and i was right there um and that's about all i remember as far as about all i know is of what like actually happened and the rest i have like very vivid vivid impressions and feelings um and images in my head from what happened, but I know somewhere something stopped being real and started being my mind's manipulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I will just say what I remember, and you can take it okay. however you want to take it from there. Um, and then you can include any details that your parents have told you and right. shared. But um, really quick, so you're, you said you were right there. So like, were you sitting on the ground and he just like rolled right over you or like, like, we were, like were you running and you slipped and slid underneath the lawnmower? I, I remember standing. You were standing. Okay. Um, and I remember uh, like being in front of the lawnmower and I don't remember when I realized there was a lawnmower or anything like that. All I remember is the weight of the wheel on my left foot. And I remember pulling my right leg out um, oh. and then it went over my left foot. 
and I remember like crawling or sliding out from under the lawnmower and I remember or at least the the image in my head is I tried to stand up and I slipped I, I, I stepped on my left foot and I fell and I looked back and my foot was just this nasty oh my gosh, oh my gosh. mess oh my gosh. of stuff. It was just, it was, there were like things hanging off and there were, there was like, um, I don't want to be like too graphic, but it was like. I know, I haven't even heard these graphic details. Um, it's like, like, uh, like flesh that was severed. And was like hanging there, and you could—it wasn't like a smooth cut. It was. Right. It was I mean, jagged, it was a lawnmower, and there were bones, and. Um, oh my gosh! And I looked back, and, um, I remember like looking up, and I felt like I had just, like tunnel vision, and then I I, remember, and this is not accurate, but like the door swung open to my, the house, and my I saw my dad running down the hallway because there was like a long, uh, there was like our kitchen was right there, I think. And then there was like a little door to the kitchen that led into our hallway. And in my mind, I saw my dad like running down the hallway towards me. Mm-hmm. But that's I don't that's not what happened because like no one was there opening the door in my memory right. of it. Um, and then I remember him putting me in the back seat of our white Ford Explorer, and he gave me a towel to hold my foot together in because things were like falling apart. So he like oh my gosh. told me like put the towel on, and I'm like trying to hold it. And he's like, hey, we're going to, I can't remember if he said we we're going to say a prayer. Well, because your mom wasn't there, right? Yeah, my mom was in Baton Rouge for a pampered chef party so or something. You're the oldest. So did he like load up all the kids too? I don't know. Oh, I don't man. know what happened. I can't even imagine. Like, um, And I remember holding my foot together to tell someone said we're going to say a prayer. And I remember feeling awful because I was like screaming during the prayer on the way to the hospital. Um, That's so sad. And we get to the hospital, and then it was just, um, it was coming in and out of surgeries for two weeks. Um, and then I, do you want me to go into like the, the, the like a hospital process, or like when do you want me to? Um, how much of the story do you want? Yeah, I mean, I want to hear the recovery because I feel like people are also wondering, like, how do you recover from that physically? So, like. What what do you have now as your foot? Like, what does your um, foot look like, and why? Okay, so do you want like where I'm at now, or do you want like the whole process? Of, like, yeah, getting... the process of okay. Yeah, so uh, it was I was in the ho- I was in and out of hospitals for about two weeks. Um, I was really really lucky. I was blessed to be in an area where they had um, a surgeon who was like on the cutting edge of reconstruction surgery. The cutting edge. <laughs> <laughs> he was like on the. Um, yeah, on the cutting edge. Okay. Um, there were barely any surgeons in the country who are doing this kind of reconstruction surgeries. If I remember correctly, my parents might call me after this episode and tell me I was full of it. Uh, <laughs> so any corrections will be pending. Uh, and uh, he was a- they were able to um, take a graph, a skin graft from my stomach and put it on my foot. What? Nice. <laughs> so put a skin graft on my stomach, or from my stomach onto my foot, and so I took fat and and skin, uh, and they were able to go in and reconnect the, um, like the nerves, the blood vessels from the skin graft to the, um, like to the to the foot. That is incredible. Yeah. Oh, I guess I didn't explain what happened. Like, so the pieces of my foot that I'm missing. Uh, I'm missing my big toe and the toe right next to it. And then like that whole like half of the foot, because my foot was sideways, right? So sideways and a little turn. So the the heel was up. Mm. And so I'm missing two those two toes, that whole side, and then the whole bottom of my heel. And so I don't have a heel bone. Like my Achilles tendon's all jacked up. And, and if you look at it, like, you can tell that like the, like the back of my foot doesn't have like that protrusion from the Achilles heel or mm-hmm. from the, your Achilles tendon. Yeah. Um, so it's in there working somehow, I guess, but it's all messed up. And uh, so that's what happened in the hospital. They had that surgery, reconnected that. I was too skinny for them to get all of the, all of the skin that they needed. And so 
they had to, um, they left a chunk of flesh open. Um, on your stomach? On my foot. Wait, what? Say that again? So, so there's this chunk right here. I'm showing Emily right now. Yeah, because I don't understand The majority of the foot um, was covered by, or the majority of the wound was covered by my skin graft. Uh But there was a a chunk about two inches long and about an inch wide Mm -hmm. that was still open. It was an open wound. Oh, because you didn't have enough stomach skin to cover all of it? Right. Yeah, we didn't have stomach skin to cover all of it. And so they were just praying that it was going to going to heal itself. together um yeah oh my gosh i don't think i knew that detail and they so like when they wrapped they bandaged my foot they left that portion open so i could um so it could try and heal itself and it did miraculously um i remember one uh, oh and because of my stomach not like because i took so much skin um they had to um I had to like be constantly bent up. So like sitting up, uh, sitting up. Yeah. Sitting up kind of like in a almost crunching position, but I had pills and stuff. So it wasn't like I was working out. Um, <laughs> and every day they would like lean me back a little bit so they can try and stretch it, like stretch it out because so the, they scooched, like they scrunched you up and they took the skin and then sewed it up. And then every day they would lean you back further. Yeah. Okay. That's why if you look at my, if you are ever in a place to see me without my shirt off, um, <laughs> my scar for my my skin graft is actually fairly wide um, because it stretched out, mm-hmm. and they actually and it goes from hip to hip. Yeah, it goes from hip to hip. Yeah, and they actually took my belly button out when they took the original graft, but I think they put it. If I remember, they put it back in. It definitely doesn't look like, like a normal a normal belly button. Yeah, so they put my belly button back in. They wanted me to feel normal. So they get, like, they, like, here, we'll cut your belly button out and sew it back in over here. Um, yeah. There might be more backstory At to that. At least it's, like, in the middle of you and, like, they didn't get it crooked or something. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's a little bit to the left. <laughs> um, and, oh, one of the crazy things is they couldn't let my foot lay, like be on the bed uh, because of, like, where the, the wound was. Oh, because you can't lay it down because it's your heel. Right. So you can't have it, like... Oh, right. Interesting. Okay. So I woke up from one of my surgeries and they had taken two metal rods and driven them through my bones, like through my, oh. like my, my leg bone and then through the bone of my foot. I like, forgot about that. <gasps> so I woke up and there was like a metal rod through like, oh through my, my gosh, leg I would have died. Two places. I'm like, oh, like, that's, that's new. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't think I realized it at first. I thought they had just like attached it to my leg somehow. I didn't realize uh-huh. that it was like going through my leg. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was, that was fun. And then I, so I, um, kind of came in and out for two weeks. Um, and then I ended up, uh, after those two weeks, I had tons of surgeries cleaning out all of the, the gunk that was in there and reconstruction and all that stuff. And then I went home and my dad's a physical therapist so what a blessing i know such a huge blessing and i was able to just go to physical therapy with him um i don't remember a whole lot of of the physical therapy i remember a couple things i remember trying to walk in the um he had like these this little pathway that had parallel bars and so trying to walk in, in, Mm -hmm. in there and I remember like trying to balance on different things on my on my one foot and like putting more and more pressure on. I remember having crutches and a wheelchair and I hated both of them. So for the most part when I was at home, I would hop around on one foot because it was so much easier. <laughs> That's uh, so you. Yeah. <laughs> I will not depend on anything but myself. <laughs> um so it was just a long process of, of kind of relearning to walk and I was Did they expect you to be able to be completely like fully functioning? I don't. I don't remember. I mean, I, I didn't speak to the doctors. I obviously, I mean, I was yeah. five. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, um, they said that I might be able to learn how to walk and be functional, functioning again, uh, but I would have minimal function. Hmm. Uh, and I, um, I remember that they said if I had been older at all, 
it would have been a lot harder to relearn uh, relearn how to walk because I, I lost so much of my foot and so there's a, a huge learning curve to get back to where I was and not just not just the um, the physical side of healing but having to relearn all of those skills and if it had happened when I was older I probably would have lost my foot and they probably would have just had to amputate it uh, and from there it was just a process of practicing and re- and learning how to run more effectively with with half foot so and you're able to do it like you played sports as yeah. a kid like you were mm-hmm. jumping on a trampoline like soon afterwards yep i think my dad broke my leg two years a couple, i don't remember how many years later several years later it couldn't have been that many years later on a trampoline or was it before when did he break my leg i don't know he didn't like do it intentionally <laughs> we were we were jumping on a trampoline and i think he double bounced me or something and mm-hmm. my little frail leg went yikes um I can't remember. Oh, well. No, that must have been before, I think. Well, before we talk about the limitations that you've encountered, have there been any, like, benefits or things that have been kind of nice about having half a foot? Um, so, I think the next year, or a few months later, my great-grandmother passed away, and she lived in California, and in her will, she left money... Uh, to take all of the family to Disneyland. Wow. And so I was like, I healed enough to like be okay. And I could like hobble around a little bit and I could walk a little bit, but I couldn't walk all day. It was, it was painful still. And we got to, I got to be in a wheelchair all day. And so that means I got to like be in the wheelchair line. And so oh. I like jumped to the front of the line the entire time. And so I That's rode cool. that Star Wars ride. It must not have been a Star Wars. No, I remember being a Star Wars ride, but it must not have been a Star Wars ride because it was at Disneyland, like in the early two thousands. So like, it was before Disney. Didn't they have Wars. a Star Wars ride? Did they? This well, Space Mountain. No, but I mean, it was. I remember it being like a like. I thought it was Star Wars, oh, but it might have just been like some yeah. knockoff thing. It wasn't. It wasn't that. It was like one of those. Uh, oh, like simulator rides. Okay. Yeah. It was something like that. I remember riding that a ton. Um, so that was a benefit. That was cool. Yeah, that was cool. Um, other benefits. I was actually talking to my boss today about this. We were talking about how so many people from our generation, like from the, the, the rising generation, uh, struggle with instant gratification and being used to instant gratification. Mm. Um, and we were talking about what helped me kind of overcome that. And I said, I, I think for me, a big part was you know having my accident with my foot so early like i learned from a very early age that like you can do hard things but it's going to take time and effort and patience and and that just became part of my personality and that kind of led me to uh be in a position where i could take advantage of different opportunities throughout my life um i think my football coach once told me that he was super glad that my accident happened because it uh, I can't remember the word he used. I, like it, he said it made it so I would never be a pansy. Something like that. <laughs> Something to that effect, right? Yeah. That I, I was just, I've always been kind of ag- aggressive, and I've been kind of, I've had the mentality like I can do anything, because I had my foot chopped off by a freaking lawnmower. Mm-hmm. So like, what can you, what can anyone do to me that's going to be worse than that, right? Like, <laughs> like there are things that can be worse than that that can be done to a person, but there's not like a whole ton, right? Like once you have like those kind of things happen, there are, there's, there's a short list of things that are worse than that. Mm-hmm. At least like when it comes to pain or in it, like right. to you personally, uh, but there's not a, a whole lot, um, like short of like dying and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that helped me just kind of like have a high pain tolerance and believe that I can do anything. So that's awesome. Yeah. So that's been a big benefit mentally. Good. Um, so I know there are probably a lot of limitations that you've encountered throughout your whole life so far, but what are maybe like some of the bigger ones, like as a child and then maybe as a teenager and then now, um, as a child, I don't remember a whole lot. Nothing really stood out. Um, kids would like, be like super interested in my foot when so I So they didn't like tease you or make fun of you or anything. Um they, they didn't call you gimpy. 
No, they didn't call me Gimpy. I mean, I was always fairly athletic, so there was no one that was like head over heels way more athletic than I was, okay. even with my foot. And so like that didn't really... I mean, maybe I'm misremembering my childhood, but I don't remember <laughs> anyone being like significantly more athletic than I was. Better at specific sports, yeah, but not like more, Overall. like way, way more athletic. Yeah. Um, I remember I kind of like rolled with it. Like I used it as a, <laughs> like I used it as a icebreaker when I was in new places. <laughs> like when I would go to like a new ward or like a new congregation um, and I was like in a new like primary or youth group. I would frequently like start out by, I, they ask you to say something interesting about you. And I'm like, oh, I have half foot. And so that was something I would use frequently. Mm-hmm. I remember in first grade, I charged people to look at my foot. <laughs> they were like, hey, can I see your foot? And I, and I would say, yeah, sure. Give me a buck. And then they would give me a dollar. I'm like, here, there's my foot. Cool. <laughs> Glad doing business with you. That's or so pleasure doing business with you. Um what else did you ask? Oh, oh challenges. just like limitations or challenges um, that you've seen as a child, a teenager, and now. Uh, there were, when I became a, when I was a teenager, uh, there were certain like athletic things I was limited on. Um, and so my, my foot's kind of always hurt, right? It just hurts frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of nonstop. And the more I use it, the more it hurts. But with my the my personality type, I have a really hard time not using it, which means that I use it a lot, which means that it hurts a lot. Uh, and in high school, it was frustrating because I was my forty yard dash time was like probably I, I think it was probably like half a second slower than it would have been otherwise. Um, I, I think I was like a four point. Or no, like a 5.1 or no, 5.2 or something. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was, um, but I could never get under five or even get, like, get five. Um, and I think uh, I, I just kept running into a barrier with that because of my foot. Like everything else, I was pretty athletic except mm-hmm. for that. Uh, and things like my squat was always off. I couldn't, I could never do that fully or uh, just little Does things like that. Does it affect your swimming? No, it okay. does not. I was I did swim team for a long time, um, and I was. I guess pretty, now you have like less of a paddle of a foot. Actually, my, my left foot's wider than my right foot. Well, in certain parts. Uh, I think I think there's probably more surface area. Do you think? Let's take a look. No, I mean like no. the the like, back half is more is like wider. when you think of like using a little like what are those called like little flippers? Uh huh. Like your right foot, your normal foot is more of a flipper. No, your, your left oh, foot is more here, of like here's a, good one. a point. Um, I can never wear um flip flops like the the sandals with the yeah with the thing between your toe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously yeah. it's called a thong by the way with a yeah. thong between your toe uh, and. So I couldn't wear those, and but now you wear J slips all the time. I do wear J slips all the time, and that's kind of a new thing. Um, I have to buy, so I buy just regular shoes, but then I have an insert that I put in my, into my shoes, mm-hmm. um, and so that's kind of annoying. Uh, but for the most part, that's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, other, the biggest drawback besides it just kind of hurts all the time is um wait can i back up yeah so you say that it hurts all the time what exactly hurts like what is it that hurts um so there's a couple things one is just i guess there are three distinct types of pain that come at different times one is just like an achiness and so it'll just be like really really achy because what happens like the bones got all jagged and messed up and then they kind of like grew Jagged, for, like yeah, they grew for, they grew jagged, and so mm-hmm. I had one time I had to go in and um, I was playing basketball, and my mom was our coach, and I kept saying like, "Mom, my foot does not feel good; it hurts when I run." And she told me to suck it up, thinking I was just being a baby. In her defense, <laughs> she really wanted me to like be strong willed and right, wanted me right. to like use this as a crutch, and so she would like push me a lot, uh, and 
finally she's like okay andrew we'll take you to the doctor just to get you to shut up and go to the doctor take an x-ray turns out that one of those jagged pieces of bone had started growing straight down and so i was basically running on a jagged spike of bone and it had muscle it had like nerves and veins intertwined in it so they had to go in and like saw it off or grind it off that took that surgery sucked Um, so how old were you when that surgery happened um i think it was in eighth grade Oh, wow. Grade. I didn't realize you had another surgery that... That late? That late, mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. Um, and so there's that like kind of just constant ache. Like when... Um, yeah, especially after I run or whatnot, like there's just kind of a, a really dull throbbing that I'll get in my foot. Mm-hmm. That's not the same as, you know, like when you go on long runs, you, you'll your feet will get a little sore. It's not like that. It's... It's a different kind of deeper, deeper ache. Um, and then the next kind of pain I'll get is depending on kind of random things. One is the weather. Um, one is like the shoes I'm wearing. My, if you've ever used a, a Rubik's Cube, um, if you've like turned one side, not a full turn, um, but enough to like get the corner piece up and mm-hmm. then you try and turn the the top side. So you like turn the side, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah, the side layer, and then you try and turn the top layer before the side is like in place. Mm-hmm. And it like you can feel the inner gears kind of like getting caught and like mm-hmm. it, it's not functioning correctly. That's what my bones feel like when it's like that. Oh. And so my bones feel like they don't fit together right. And so it's just that hurts really really bad and there's nothing i can do about it and so that's that one comes a lot during the cold and so that one was hard in russia because i was wearing shoes that were walking all day yeah and i was wearing shoes that weren't super great because i was wearing like church shoes and then i uh was in negative 20 degree weather Mm -hmm. and so that that was really cold and i felt that a lot and then the the last type of pain which is probably the least common but like just takes me out whenever it happens is phantom pain okay yes some people have asked me if this is a real thing and what is it yeah so phantom pain is totally a real thing it it happens like with amputees um what um what people are asking too is that is it like like let's say that a car ran over the spot where your toes would be like would it hurt like that and that's a negative, right? That's yeah, that's a negative. It's, it's not like it's not like if I stepped where his toes would be, it would hurt. Right. You know, what it is is, um, every now and again, randomly, there's nothing that triggers it. There's at least nothing that I've been able to tell. There's no commonality. There's nothing. Um, I'll just get this super, super sharp, intense pain that feels as if it's like connecting to where the the nub, I guess, like where my toes were attached, connecting to that and then springing out where the toes were. And so I feel, feel the pain as if the toes were still there. So I feel, I feel like that that toe is hurting. Um, and it's super, super sharp. And I'll get it sometimes on my heel, but it's mostly on the severed joint where the toe would be. Mm-hmm. And then so you feel it right, like connecting right there, and then you feel the pain coming off the foot and so there's nothing you can do you can't massage it because the toe is not there mm-hmm. um and it doesn't usually last very long for me i don't i've never actually spoken with anybody else who has any kind of amputation so i don't know what it's like for them but for me it's like it just comes and it hits and it hurts it hurts a ton for like 15 seconds and i can't do anything about it and i just have to like stop talking and yeah, like a contraction. It's I guess it's <laughs> no. like a contraction of <laughs> no, my foot. That's thing. not there. Um, okay, so I do want to talk about the conversation we had in the car, and then it will get more spiritual. But I do have one like detail question. Okay. Did was there anything salvageable? Like were your toes, toes still there? Did you bring them with you to the hospital? I, I think that my dad did bring them. I oh think. Gosh. Yeah. I don't remember for sure, but I think he did. But there was no, nothing to sew them onto. Because it was all mutilated. It was just so jacked up, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like if you 
like take the toes and you slice the toes off nice and pretty and then you shove the rest of the foot in a blender <laughs> like there's nothing to sew the toes onto yeah okay and so that was that was what happened I think. I can just imagine your dad being like, here's the toes, put them back on. And the doctor's no. like, yeah, no. It's no, we always <laughs> joked that like that patch of grass around where it happened was always going to be greener because it got like some really high quality fertilizer. Um, Interesting. But, but I, I, I think that he brought the toes. I'm not sure. I probably should have okay. asked him before this. No, that's fine. Um, I sprung that one on you. Yeah. So. Okay, so let's talk about the conversation we had in the car oh, a couple uh, days ago. Oh, you talk about oh. ba- like drawbacks. Big one was West Point. Oh, yeah. Okay. Whoa. Hold the phone. Go back to that. So I had wanted to go to West Point for probably since my seventh grade year. I'd really, I didn't know it was either the Air Force Academy or West Point. And then freshman year, I decided on on West Point. And I, West Point's the military academy in the United States for the Army. And it's in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's long process and I really, really wanted to go and people, this was really hard for me because people kept telling me like, you're never going to be able to do it because of your foot. I was like, watch me, I'm going to do this. And so I got, I got approval or the, um, nomination for my Senator. Uh, and then I, uh, got, was accepted by West Point and then because of my foot, I had to get a medical waiver and I was approved by a West Point doctor in Louisiana or by a, a military doctor in Louisiana. And then by the uh, uppity ups, like the general in charge of West Point and then like their medical officer at West Point, they approved me um, because I was able to pass all their tests. Um, and... Then because of the nature of the medical waiver, I also had to get it, if I remember right, it was signed by the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And because of some bureaucratic nonsense, they weren't able to get it signed that day, and then they weren't able to get back to it. And so I just didn't get signed, so I got rejected um, from that. or I got rejected from my medical waiver, which because they rejected that, at that level, it wasn't just a, um, it wasn't that, it wasn't just that I couldn't join or go to West Point. I couldn't do mil, I couldn't be any in the military at all. So it was like a general military. You're right. It was a department of defense medical waiver. And so Mm. it was like Dodd-Murb, I think is the, the board, like the department of defense medical examination review board or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember that they had told me I got in and I was super excited. And it was, then I got this letter from West Point telling me what happened. And then my Senator reached out and told me what happened. Um, in like March, my senior year. And so I was accepted to West Point and I hadn't applied to, uh, that many other colleges. Cause they had like, I basically you told them I was getting going, in. Yeah. yeah. They told me I was in and, so I'm sitting there in March, and my parents were on a were on a cruise. <laughs> so I was by myself at home. How sad. I think Logan and Landon were somewhere else. They were with some friends or family or something. And so I was by myself, and I read this letter, and I was like, "This sucks." That's so sad. And, and it was because of my foot. Mm-hmm. So that was a big. That was a big limitation. And there were some spirit. There were some real spiritual struggles later. I think because of that. Um, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, I mean, well, we're we're getting into all of this now, but um, okay. So you've told us the story, you've told us the details. Mm-hmm. Um, how has this experience taught you to, I guess, not let this be something that defines you? Like how how can we learn that our trials are points of learning, um, and that. Like, it can be a piece of who you are, but to not let it define you necessarily. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, even with as kind of philosophical as I am, I never really thought about it in those terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, I was just like kind of in the trenches with this so much that I didn't think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Um a couple things. First, I was just really 
committed to the idea that I did not want to be a, like a, I never wanted to be considered handicap. Right. Handicap. Like I never wanted, like, technically, I think I could get like a handicap sticker and, and I could, like, service dog. The service. I mean, I could get like all the handicap stuff mm-hmm. um, and the benefits from that, including like financial benefits and whatnot. But I, something like deep in me hated that idea. Like, I absolutely hated it. And so I never, ever wanted people to think, like, um, you know, those like really heartwarming videos where you see like some kid with cerebral cerebral palsy, like gets to go play uh, like around around like a, a couple of downs of football, and then like everyone like kind of like lets him go and score, or, mm-hmm. or you have like the the girl with Down syndrome that they let be on the cheer squad and like they like perform something special with her. Mm-hmm. I I I love those things, and I they're super heartwarming, but I never wanted to be that. Like, I never wanted my accomplishments to be cute. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, like, you didn't want any of the pity or the, like, oh, he, that was really good for someone with half a foot. Right. Or, like, that was good despite your foot. Right. I never wanted to be lowered onto, a, like, I never wanted to be put on a lower plane because of my of my foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of gave me like a, a tenacity where I was like, hey, I'm going to beat you and I'm going to beat you so thoroughly. At least that was my goal, right? Like, I'm going to beat you so thoroughly that you're not, like it's not going to come to your mind that I had that I had a partial amputation of my foot. Mm-hmm. Like that's not going to be relevant at all. Right. Um, and so that was just super, super important to me. And because of that, like I have always struggled with like talking about it. Like, it's not always, but when I got, when, when I kind of like, like mid like the middle to the end of high school onward i really struggled like telling people about it because i don't want to tell people to earn pity mm-hmm. and i don't want them to like think that i'm making excuses when i can't do certain things or when things are a little more difficult for me and and that's super hard even today um, like for example, today I was doing, I was at the gym and we were doing squats. They do like group classes. Yeah. And so we were doing these classes and I was doing a, 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 some box squats and I have a super hard time, um, with heavier weights going to a 90 degree angle with a squat. And so when I was doing the box squats, I would get to like a, I don't know, like a hundred degrees and then my leg would kind of collapse. And so I would like kind of flop onto the, to the box. And the instructor kept saying like, Hey, like you, you can't flop like that. Like you're not supposed to do that. Like that's ruining the form. And I, I finished it. I got up like, man, like I can't do that because I get down and because of the way that my tendons are messed up my foot, I can't keep tension at that angle very mm-hmm. well. Like it's super, super difficult and it's painful. And it, it just kind of like gives Mm-hmm. Right. It's not like, a, oh, I can struggle through this. It's just it doesn't work. And like even telling my telling the trainer that was super difficult today. Right. Even after all these years. Um, so you ended up telling him. Yeah, I told him, like, hey, man, like I, just, I can't like I'm going to try harder to do this. But mm-hmm. just so you know, like I'm not ignoring you. Just, right, and I'm sure that he's not thinking like, "Oh, you're just making excuses." Yeah, like, but to me, I feel that way. Right, because um, I deeply believe that we make way too many excuses in our lives, and one of my mottos is that like excuses are efforts to justify faults, mm-hmm. and so we make excuses to justify ourselves. And I am not about justification. Like we need to own our weaknesses, and we need to own our shortcomings. Um, and we don't need to excuse them away on on other things that are outside of our control, because the moment you put a, an excuse that is outside of your control out there, you're giving control of your life to something else. And so, giving control of my life to my foot and to my accident drives me crazy, mm-hmm. and it's super emotionally difficult for me. I don't even remember your question. Um, yeah, I mean that was great. Um, my question was, how have you... Oh, you use this learning experience. Well, I mean, how, how have you not let this define you? 
Yeah. And, like it is a part of you, obviously. But yeah, and does I've, it define you? You actually, I didn't realize it doesn't define me at all in my own, per, like my own self perception until mm-hmm. you asked me about it the other day. Like if I would, I think you asked if I would be interested in. Yeah, I was like, like, um, like, have you ever thought about helping others through similar things or like connecting with, um, like amputee children or youth yeah. or anything? And first of all, I just want to say I have like mad respect for anybody who's in that sphere, who's helping people like that, who I'd, who identify with that kind of mission and who identify with that as part of their personality and part of their identity. But for me, I have never even once thought about doing that. Because Which is so funny to me because usually like when you go through a hard thing, like you want to connect with other people that have also gone through that. And so like, I mean, to me, that's like the natural instinct, but that would just blew my mind that you'd never thought uh, yeah, of that I, before. I never consider it because it wasn't a part of me. Right. Right. Like, like I have all of these things, right. And, and in my mind, maybe also because it happened when I was so young before I really like mm-hmm. come to that terms with, with, with who I am. So young. Right. So like it was already part of me before I like had developed my self perception. Yeah. Um, it was, it just never, crossed my mind as like a core part of my identity mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting yeah and i don't know, I, I think how how we focus on learning from this or for learning from these experiences um i think just kind of it, it, it's complicated how many layers of emotions there are attached to like these kind of traumatic experiences um i I don't know if I've told... I think I've told you this story. I haven't told a lot of people the story. I don't know if I feel comfortable saying it on here. Um, but I'll, I'll just... I'll give like a, some generalities that I want to talk about anything too specific. I felt like there. I was going through a time in my life where I was seeing... Uh, or I was reading about like miraculous healings and and... I had developed faith, like deep faith that the Lord could heal me and I could heal people if that was his will, if that was his will. And there were many nights as a little kid, especially before I was a teenager, where I would go to night or I'd go to bed at night crying, praying that Heavenly Father would like heal me in the night. Like I'd wake like up. you'd wake up with a foot. Yeah. And I would wake up in the morning and like look down at my foot to see if it was oh if it was healed and it never happened um and i realized that like the lord had blessed me still because i was able to walk and i was able to be like very athletic um and for those of you who don't know like i've run marathons and ultra marathons and i've done a lot of cool stuff that i wasn't supposed to be able to do So, I mean, there are so many little miracles that made it so I could be at the point where I'm at today. But I remember there was a point, I think it was on my mission, if I remember right. And I was, yeah, I think I was on my mission and it was like uh, my first winter there. And my foot was killing me because of how cold it was. And I just kept thinking like, Lord, like I am literally on a mission right now. I'm giving two years of my life to you and to thy children so that I can help them come closer to, to, to our, our savior, Jesus Christ. Like, why, why did you give me a partial blessing, a partial miracle? And by that, I mean, like I was blessed to be able to have a miraculous life, but he left a lot of pain in there along the way. And he'd like, took away a lot of opportunities that I had really wanted um, by allowing this to happen and by not healing me like I wanted to be healed. While I knew other people who had gone through miraculous healings who left their their traumatic experience with nothing but a good story because like all of the pain and all of the negative side effects had gone away. Um, but for me, I was healed in a way that still left me in pain and left me with some of the negative side effects. And so I was like really struggling with like, Heavenly Father, like, why would you give me this partial blessing? Um, and I don't know all the answers to it. Um, and, and there are a bunch of things that 
he taught me in this process of like kind of coming to terms with this. Um, that again, I don't feel comfortable sharing this in this kind of platform, but uh, the, the biggest blessing I received from this kind of struggle, this wrestle with God, as I try to figure out his reasoning is I didn't need to know the reasoning and I'm 100% okay with that because what I do know is that my Savior loves me deeply and that he has my best interest in, at heart and he's going to prepare a way for me that is going to make me the best person that I could possibly be. And so all the details, I'm sure he'll have a nice scrapbook or something with, with them like mapped out for me when I get, get to the other side. Um, but for now, I don't need to know all of those, and it's okay. Um, but there are a lot of things that if he taught me specifically that um, showed me that there are benefits in this life even for what happened to, to what happened and, and to why he blessed me miraculously in his way. And so um, being okay with his miracles and the way that his miracles look is really important. And I think about like the, the man who had, uh, was it, did he have cerebral palsy? Do we know for sure? The man who was like, I don't really know what it was. Like, I think it said like sick with the palsy or something. Yeah. I don't know what it says exactly. Yeah. Sick with the, the one who was, who was, uh, lower down on a litter by his yeah. friends. Um, like the Lord initially offered a blessing or like a, a miracle of forgiving him of his sins um, and could have stopped there. And I personally think that the man was perfectly happy with, and I'm totally projecting on this guy, so he might not have been feeling this at all, but in my mind, the way I like to feel it is, or I like to imagine it is, uh, he was totally fine with that first that first miracle, and he might have struggled later. But he, I think, in the moment he recognized like the the value of that miracle, mm-hmm. and you have to be okay with that being the end of the miracle. Um, and then after that, once he had come to terms with that and or like been okay with it, then the Lord provided another lesser miracle of healing him of of the palsy, um, and. I I think we need to be okay with with the Lord's will even if he doesn't provide any kind of miracle. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard though when you're just like praying and praying and praying for something to change or for that miracle and then never really seeing it happen. Yeah. I can't imagine the things that people go through that they pray their whole lives that will be different and that they never are. Yeah. Um Yeah, I remember that the, the like the little prayer, or my my little seven year old prayers, like going to bed and like praying about that, not infrequently, and then like waking up fully believing that I was gonna have like my foot back. And there were a couple of times where I wake up and like I didn't feel like it didn't feel weird or didn't feel different, and so I got really excited. And, like I flipped the covers open, mm-hmm. and it's like, ah, oh, okay. Um, tonight <laughs> tonight I'll try again tonight um, yeah. and you know I, I wonder what that was like for for our Heavenly Father to watch that I mean because if, if Hire was doing that mm-hmm. and I had the power to like give it to him like oh my goodness yeah um, I I, it, I would be so heartbroken if mm-hmm. Hire was doing that and I could I could give it to him and, and I didn't um but I know that if I had decided for whatever reason not to give Hiram that blessing, it was it would be because I had something better for him later, or I knew that he needed that. And so I have to trust that I, being a wicked man, wouldn't give my children a stone for bread. Mm-hmm. Um, know that like I will not give a bad present or bad gift to my my children. That the father would be even less likely to give bad gifts to his children. So I have to know that he's not do he's not giving me the miracle that I wanted for a specific reason. Mhm. Well, thank you for sharing all that because I haven't heard all of the details <laughs> and um 
even some of these spiritual emotional things i haven't heard all the way so thank you welcome thank you for opening up and sharing your feelings you're welcome i love <laughs> talking <laughs> i don't love talking about my feelings yeah I know. but thank you for doing it hopefully it was able to help um one of you guys that are listening so um one more question okay You've kind of like touched on this, but I want to ask it more directly just in case you have a more specific example or answer. And if you don't, that's okay. But um, how have you seen Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ's love specifically for you? Oh. I think I've, I've become more in tuned to the spirit than I would have been otherwise if this hadn't mm-hmm. happened. Why is that? Um, there have been experiences, some of those, or some of which we've talked about here and some of which uh, we don't have time to cover that have been super hard because of my foot. Like it's been painful and, and anytime you struggle, I think it puts you in a place where you're especially susceptible to the spirit mm-hmm. and to and to he- hearing his voice and to feeling his presence. Yeah. Um, it's like that anticipation. It's like suddenly you're like waiting and like you're you're aware that you're anticipating an answer or something. Yeah, there, there's that. And then there's also like a, like, this hurts so bad. I need to turn to something outside of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what was your question specifically? How, how have you felt their love? Oh. Um, and, and so I think because of that, I, from a young age, I had to kind of rely on the Lord more than I would have had to have relied on him otherwise. And I have gotten better at just feeling his, his presence. Um, and for me, it's just a, a warm, um, knowing that he's there. And I feel that so frequently as I go through issues, especially those issues surrounded by my foot, because of how emotional and spiritual that whole process has become for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I also don't want to, like, um, first let me finish this thought. Uh, I, yes, I, I feel just a, a, a knowing. Like, have you ever... Um, I don't know, have you ever been like in the closet or like somewhere and you feel that like I'm like right behind you? Oh yeah. Not like in a scare. I'm not like I'm scaring you, but you can just right, like, like feel that you're that I'm close. Right. Yeah. It's a lot like that. Okay. Like for me, cool. I feel that uh, with the Savior, and it's it brings an immense amount of peace and love. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been times where I feel like he hasn't been. He's let me struggle with it, and he's let me wrestle with it um, in a way that's made me stronger, um, but that presence is always there. Um, and even those times where I feel like that presence isn't there, um, I look back at it later on, and I realize that he was there the whole time. Um, I also want to say that, for me at least... You know, I can't speak to anybody else's experience with these kind of things, but for me, this is not something I think about all the time. So, like, this is like a really like spiritual and kind of emotional thing when I get down to it and I kind of like peel back layers. But for the most part, it's not something I think about. I usually will go days without really, really thinking about it. You mean like thinking about the spiritual emotional no, stuff, thinking or about, thinking like, about your foot? Thinking about my foot. You don't think about it every day. Not every you don't day. Think about it every time you put your shoe on. No, I don't. It's just like so normal. It's just it's... so normal. Okay. Wow. Um, and there are like some like little funny things that I that I think of more frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I it's not something I think about, and it's not. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying. It's not like a a deep part of my identity. It's a part of like my spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. But it's not something that like defines me. It's just like one chapter in my mind. It's not something that. Even though it's a chapter that's still ongoing, mm-hmm. it's not something when I think about, like if I listed off like the five identities or, or 
things that I most identify with or that are the strongest parts of my identity. Amputee would not be there. Amputee is like so far down there. I don't like yeah. say thinking first off, I'm only missing two toes, so calling myself an amputee like feels wrong, right? Oh, it doesn't feel wrong to me because I have all of my limbs. <laughs> yeah, to me, I feel like I'm not. Okay. Like, not like you're not qualified. Yeah. Okay. But that's been a lot of, there's been a lot of uh, heaviness. I'm not used to being that heavy on, on our episode, yeah. especially between the two of us. I know. It's been weird. But So I apologize if you have been looking for more uppity up beat stuff. And I do want to clarify, we are, I do approach this with a very large dose of humor. Oh, he totally does. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, we'll scare kids with it. And yeah. Like, like I tell Hiram believe for the first few years of his like cognizant life that Emily had bit off my toes because I made her mad. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I, I do joke a ton with it. So for you, him, it's not a serious thing. Yeah. It's not a serious thing. Yeah. And so you don't need to like be weird about it with, if you, like, <laughs> you see me or whatnot, like feel free to joke. That's totally fine. Um, it, I, I have no like, I don't want to say I have no serious feelings about it, but I, I approach it with a lot of humor. So don't worry about that. We were just kind of spoke or talking about like the non-humorous aspects of it. Right. This right. Time. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do our loves and less than loves real quick. Okay. Because we don't have a whole lot of time. Okay. Um, I love, I found this new popcorn at Sam's club today and I love it. It's a, like a, caramely type popcorn maybe but it has like like drizzled chocolate on it and peanuts tiny peanuts in it and then m&ms it's like the the peanut m&m popcorn and it's so good yeah it's like clusters of popcorn and it's called and candy chocolate. corn is that what it is it's called candy corn and then it's like peanut version or like peanut m&ms or something right right, right. yeah it's good it's so good so I, go try that my lesson love it's not like a, a fun lesson love actually it's um i Less than love uh, the fact that the kids are usually awake before my alarm clock goes off. Yeah, we're in one of those phases. Um, like and, and with the puppy and with the three kids, like they're we're just I'm usually not woken up of my own volition, which means I usually don't get super great morning prayers or an opportunity to read my scriptures in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't love that. I, I, I don't like that because when you get up on your own, you can say, okay, I'm going to say my prayer. But when you get up because a kid is up, they're usually requiring like that something. That moment's gone. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, I'm up and I'm doing something. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's not super fun. And I've tried the whole like getting up earlier thing, <laughs> but, um, I personally, and I know there are a lot of people out there who are different, and that's awesome. Kudos to you. But for me, I have a super hard time doing or having like a really good scripture study, not just like reading the scriptures, but having a good study in the mornings. Like I need to wake up like significantly earlier and like work out or shower or something if I'm going to have like the wherewithal to study the scriptures in the morning. But the problem is we have to do a lot of stuff at night specifically together. Like this podcast. Like this podcast <laughs> so we can uh, yeah. spread the love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, I, I struggle with doing scripture study in the morning. And so I usually have scripture study at night. And I, I have I generally have really good scripture studies at night. Um, but I, I would like to have them in the morning. It's just... A, Super hard to get into that routine for us in this phase. Yeah. And, and prayers are super so, hard, yeah. Yeah. Every phase is just so, like, up and down, and it, they change so quickly, and I don't know. It's hard to, to find a good routine that will stick around for a long time. Yeah. And so right now, and this might not be the best routine, but this is what I do. Right now, I have really good long prayers in the car on the way to work. I think for, that's for a great idea. Prayers. Like, you're awake enough. Because you're driving, so I hope you're waking up. Yeah, I do. Like it is and easier to like wander because your eyes are open, whatnot. So oh, yeah. you do wander, um, and then I, I try and listen to a few conference talks or chapters from the scriptures throughout the day, um, in English, Spanish, and Russian. And then at the end of the day, I have my good scripture study before bed. At some point after the kids go down, 
and then I have a good prayer at night. And that's generally my schedule. But we always say a prayer, say prayers as family, mm-hmm. as a family. Even if I don't say a prayer individually, we make sure we say it. Or individually before I leave the house, we always say family prayers. Or we call once the kids are up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh. there's, there's been less than enough. Okay. Well, good. Well, we love you guys. We're thankful that you're listening. We're thankful that you're sharing with your friends and family. Um, if you are listening and loving the podcast, please find us on Instagram and let us know. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like us to change. Yep. <laughs> and um, go ahead and leave us a review, too, on Apple Podcasts because that really helps us out a ton. It does. We love you guys so much. Thank you for bearing with me. This was a much longer story than I was expecting, or like much longer episode than I was expecting. Me I don't- too, but I'm glad, and I'm glad we got to know you a lot more. I don't think I've ever like said it like this in, this, in, the, in like well, a now long, we have it recorded kind of like one thing family history for our there we go our what's it called descendants can we just upload this to family search maybe it might be too large maybe we'll see okay anyways bye guys <laughs> love you keep the faith